if we're going to take it to this next level and require all this more equipment, nobody's going to hand that stuff to us for free. And we're already operating on razor thin margins. Listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Hey guys, it's James Robert. I wanted to give you a quick heads up that my Exponential Insight guest today is a bit different because he does not work at a bank or credit union or or even in the industry for that matter. In fact, he is a chef that has worked all around the world. He's received six James Beard Foundation nominations. Plus, uh, his restaurant was voted the number one restaurant in Houston, Texas by the Houston Chronicle. I brought him on today's show for a conversation because the exponential insights that he shares provides a great perspective into the hearts and minds of small business owners that so many financial brands have an opportunity to step up and help. And with the fumbles made by some of the big nationals like Chase, Wells Fargo, and B of A with the whole PPP application process, this is a time for community financial brands to step up and guide small businesses over the coming months and years. In fact, Ron Shevlin noted in a recent article on Forbes that more than six in 10 small businesses that currently bank with a mega bank like B of A, Chase and Wells, or a large regional that's greater than 100 billion in assets, those businesses said they were somewhat are very likely to look for a new banking relationship in the next year. And that was before PPP. So take a minute and forward this episode over to your business lending and business development teams because there really is no greater time than now for community financial brands to turn the tide of small business lending and deposit decline. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Seth Siegel Gardner to the show because he has a lot of perspective to share for financial brands to listen to, to learn from during this post-COVID-19 world, as Seth is the chef and owner at Perryavar in Marfa, Texas. Welcome to the show, Seth. Thank you. Thank you. So I've known you now for probably right around 10 years, if not a little bit longer, since you came to Houston uh, to open up a restaurant. Yep. And just for some context for our audience, can you just give us a little bit of backstory about how you got to where you are today? Because I never in my wildest dreams would think that I'd be bringing a a chef on to talk about what what financial services can do. But this COVID-19 world has just transformed, I think, everything. The old rule books are out, and we got to start putting together some thinking and some collaboration across multiple industries, particularly at the community level. But before we get there, just give us some context into how you got to where you are in this world today. Yeah, how I... (laughs) 
went from working in restaurants in New York City and London and Chicago to a town of like 2,000 people. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I I grew up in Houston, so Houston always will be home. And I went to school, got a philosophy degree at the University of Denver, which obviously I'm putting to good use, going directly into the restaurant business after that. We lived in, worked in New York for about seven years. Spent most of my time working in fine dining restaurants there. Worked with Marcus Samuelson at a, his restaurant called Aquavit. I worked in other Midtown, another Midtown restaurant, Alto, and then helped Gordon Ramsay open on the opening team of the Gordon Ramsay restaurant in in New York. I worked opened another restaurant for Marcus in Chicago. Then moved to London and worked in London for a year and then eventually came back to Houston where worked around Houston for a little while and then opened our restaurant, the Passing Provisions, and we were open for almost seven years in Houston. And then now I've been working on these projects out in West Texas. One is a distillery project and then working on a few restaurants. The one that's open now is Parayava, the Tio yeah. restaurant. Yeah, so you've 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 seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, and I think right now that's where I want to take the conversation is is based upon all of this experience and thinking about your own journey. One of the things that you said when when we started this conversation was really two things: you're having to adapt the dream, adapt and pivot. What are you seeing right now with just your peers? with this post-COVID-19 world and how they're having to adapt and change and pivot their business model? Like, what does that look like from practically speaking on the ground? I think, I mean, it's, it's pretty, because obviously everybody is, loves their restaurants and loves the kind of their neighborhood spots. They're watching their restaurants turn into to-go restaurants. So that's the obvious pivot that everyone is making now is now everyone is a to-go restaurant. And I think that that is, that's a necessary evil for a lot of restaurant people because there's never, you know, when we had our full service restaurant in Houston, we hated the idea of doing to go food, but you know, it was just part of the business and you had to do it. Now it's essentially one of the only parts of the business. And I think some of the other, a lot of people are pushing, you know, buy gift cards. I, personally have some issue with that, but gift cards are stupid in my opinion. And, uh, it's like literally setting your money on fire, but I understand that it gives people, I guess, a little bit of comfort in knowing that like, hopefully I'm helping my, my restaurant stay there. I just, my question is going to be what happens when you buy all these gift cards for these places that have closed. But then I think that a lot of people are going to digital stuff. So, you know, it's like getting your online store up and running as quickly as possible is the only situation right now that I think is going to keep places afloat because most people in most major cities are not going to want to come and have that direct interaction with, with a waiter or a bartender or something like that. So I think, you know, we're, we're turning into this world where it's like, you can't even see the people anymore. So I, I think a lot of our friends of, you know, I, I would guess that as 
two, three weeks ago, everybody called whoever was making their website or if they were making it themselves. And the amount of searches that were probably like, how do I set up an online store? Uh, you know, went through the roof. We had it always in our model that this, we were going to do online ordering. So I wasn't initially going to push it out for a couple of weeks after we opened. But of course, it was like, we need to get this going as quickly as possible. Seeing a lot of people do that. But I think a lot of restaurants are just going to start, have already started closing. And or at least temporary closing. And unfortunately, that's what's going to be continue to happen until we get some direction on what like the next version of normalcy looks like for the hospitality business. Well, and see, that's where I see the probably the biggest opportunity from my perspective of the banking world and, and working with community banks, working with credit unions, because that is central to a local community, just as these local restaurants are central to the community. From your worldview and your experience, how might a credit union or a community bank might be able to support some of these local restaurants during this time of, of chaos when we're just trying to figure out what, what that new normal looks like? I think it's an understanding of how the restaurants have, to, or, you know, restaurants and to maybe even a lesser extent bars have to pivot their operations because now there's a lot of things that they're, a lot of inventory they need to take on that was completely unexpected. Like, like we mentioned, some of our industry friends go into like the kind of the take and bake model of like, here's a lasagna, take it home, you know, throw it in the oven. So at least you're cooking, but you're not necessarily doing dishes or anything like that. So I think there's a huge pivot to that. And those dishes, all that stuff costs money that is no, there's no line item in that budget. You know, the idea that we're going to go to, you know, eventually they're going to start enforcing laws about restaurant workers have to wear masks, even if you're to go, have to wear gloves. Like there's, I think the restaurants are some of the safest in terms of food handling out there. But if we're going to take it to this next level and require all this more equipment, it, you know, nobody's going to hand that stuff to us for free. And we're already operating on razor thin margins as it is. So now, you know, you have to, how many pairs of gloves do you have to per person? How many masks per person per day? Things like that, that I think are unknown. And, you know, if we're just spending that money, it's going to, it's going to tank us pretty fast. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's this new normal, it's new inventory. Also, I see there's an opportunity for and and you've done this even with your own website almost supporting our friends you have a page on your website with eighth wonder fluff bake bar southern so i mean so many others is there an opportunity f for a community financial institution a, a bank or a credit union to almost build a community page to promote these local businesses these these restaurants, these bars in a more direct manner, because if, if we truly are in this together, let's put our money where our mouth is. Right. Absolutely. I think if, if, you know, you think about it, like, you know, it's, we're <laughs> for better or worse, we're in a virtual world right now. And we need to have like a virtual neighborhood too, for all of our, all of our close friends. And yeah, there's, you know, we, 
people are still going to be using, you know, Amazon's going to be as busy as they've ever been, things like that. But I think that there's going to be a point where if you want a little bit more authenticity to some of the goods that you're buying, you need to keep supporting those local businesses and those like creative people in your community that are, you know, trying to stay afloat while we're living in an unknown world of like what next month, like what next week, what next month and what until there's a vaccine, what that all looks like. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now, consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to, because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of Banking on Digital Growth. It is a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to save financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can use to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now, back to the show. I'm going to hypothesize with you on this because you brought up the idea of the concept of the take and bake. You know, my wife and I, we have four kids. Uh, we were talking about this before. It's, it's a lot of mouths to feed, but we've, we've done some of the take and bake concepts now. But I'm a financial brand. I work in marketing and I'm, I'm looking to promote local businesses, local restaurants, local bars. I have this idea to where I want to go and talk to 10 restaurants and see if they'd be open and almost doing like a, like a take and bake, but uh, almost like a Facebook live, how to cook that lasagna and how to, how to make it myself at home. But it gives that restaurant some publicity within the community, the digital community of that financial brand on Facebook. It's something that can be shared and, and be a little bit more organic, local, if you will. Is that a concept that you think other restaurants from your from your perspective might be inclined to collaborating with a, a local community institution to co-create some content together? I would think that restaurants and kind of just the hospitality business in general, if if you are going through this process like narrow mindedly, you're screwed. Like they're so I think people need to be open to every idea. I think they, you know, it just you gotta figure out like how you're gonna produce it, what the like are people getting paid for it. I, I think there's a lot of ways that something like that could work, but also you know, maybe it's to help benefit people in the hospital industry and things like that, that are, I think that now more than ever, we need to create a community that's kind of helping each other. And I think that in the hospitality business, we always want, you know, we want to like, we want you and your family and your four kids and like to come and sit down and like, you know, escape for a minute. So I think in our restaurants. So now we have to figure out how to do that in people's like living rooms and in their home offices, but then in a way that they feel good about what they're doing. So if they're spending money to have like a cook at home with your family class or something like that, I think it would be interesting if it could be interactive as well. And so mm. you could communicate 
with the chef. That would be so like you're saying with that whole Facebook Live, but being able to, you know, I almost think that there's going to be, it's going to be that personal chef interaction situation. And, you know, maybe it's a small amount of money, but maybe it's something that if you do enough of those classes, like it, it makes sense for you to have your cooks there doing the classes and teaching them how to talk to guests. Cause I mean, you know, just talking to my peers over text and, you know, quick phone conversations about what's next. It's like, you know, are you going to rush to a restaurant once they lift some of the mandates Are are you going to go to a restaurant? You know, are, are there still going to be open kitchens when you go to restaurants? Are they going to like put plastic screens up? Like it's, there's so many things that I think that are going to change that trends that have happened that I think a lot of guests like that probably are going to have to go away. So how do we keep creating that experience for people going forward? That isn't just like this really sterile feeling unsafe when your waiter comes up to you with a mask and gloves on or something like that. So that's a, that's a really good point. It's it's yeah, they might lift some of this, but we've been so psychologically scarred, if you will, that it's going to take some time before we build courage to go back up and venture out and, and be around people. I see this is where, the, once again, the financial brands can can come together and, and support the local community beyond just giving access to loans, but also being part of the promotion of some of these local restaurant and bar brands. I mean, I've even made recommendations to a couple of clients, you know, work with your, your local bars to do a virtual happy hour and then bring in like a solo show and everyone can just kind of have that sense of community. Um, and just uh, exactly. I, I think that's really smart. And I think that's like kind of the, uh, part of the direction that we're, I think we're <laughs> nothing is off the table now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you t- we're talking about community and I know that Chris Shepard, he, he started the Southern Smoke Foundation. You were, part, you know, kind of, he came early on and y'all were having conversations. Can you talk about what the Southern Smoke Foundation is, what it's doing? Because I think it's another model that looking at it objectively from the outside, you're not even waiting for financial institutions to provide support to the hospitality industry. The hospitality industry has almost created some type of a financial vehicle mechanism to support one another, which I find to be very fascinating. And I think it has to do with a lot. I mean, we're most people that are in the restaurant business are pretty like, I would like to think pretty hard people. They don't like to take handouts. They don't like to ask for help. So I think what Chris has done is he's put it, set it up in a way that, you know, it's, we're helping each other. We're not just holding our hands out asking for money. And I think that it's changed a lot. I mean, it started out as a way to raise money for, one of Chris's oldest friends, Antonio, when he got diagnosed with MS. And then when Harvey hit, it was like, all right, we need to pivot this to helping people affected by Harvey. And obviously now it's like, you know, the hospitality business is going to take one of the hardest hits. I mean, they took the immediate hit on this, but the supply chain of what happens through the hospitality business with delivery drivers, farmers, you know, it's, it's going to be huge. What is going to be affected by it. And so immediately, yeah, you're, 
your bartender, your waiter, all these people, like they're, they lost their jobs instantly. There was no like holding on to them for a couple of weeks to see what happened. It was, it was a, you know, no money in, no money out. And, you know, most people don't know restaurants are on 15 to 30 day, you know, net. So they're all, everyone's bills are coming due right about now, right. probably. So you got a lot of suppliers that are, you know, asking for those, Fifteen twenty-five thousand dollar checks to cover all your dry goods for the past month or something like that. So I think that there's just with Southern Smoke. I think it was it is an amazing way that Chris is and his team that he's grown through. You know, just the initial idea of like let's throw a party and raise some money into like this like juggernaut of like you know basically help that they're providing. Yeah, it just transitioned. But I, I, I think it's going to continue to grow, and I think a lot of people are going to look at that model and understand, like, this is how you can really help a community. Yeah, I mean, if if I was working at a financial brand and I was committed to supporting the local community, this is an example. And for context, and this was late March, Southern Smoke Foundation had received 3,500 applications for hospitality workers that were either laid off or furloughed because of COVID-19. And the number has grown to 17,000 in, in just a few weeks. But um, I know that the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation out of New York vowed to give half of its fundraising to Southern Smoke. So it's generating millions of dollars that is that are then being transitioned back into the hospitality community. Any financial brand could look at this and say, wow, that's something that I could get involved with and support either f- financially or in other ways, uh, just promotionally wise because it's about really people helping people at this point exactly as we wrap up you know you've you've got an audience of financial brand marketing teams sales teams leadership teams listening to this what is one recommendation that you could make to them from you know you you in the hospitality industry because this is you know 12 months 18 months is what i'm projecting and what I'm making recommendations around strategically operationally for financial brands. And then what happens after that, I, I, you know, it's, it's still too fuzzy, but that's what a lot of people are projecting for us to get through this together. What's one recommendation that you can make to, to help someone like your community from their perspective of, of financial services? I think it's creating a model so that businesses can pivot on that model and, and start seeing some growth again. Mm. I think that a lot of like full service restaurants that are in, in the takeout business, like here, you know, if you're doing, if you've gone to, you know, let's say you're only operating at 20% of where you need to be, like, where do you need to be to bring back the number of employees that makes sense to get you at least to 50% or something like that? Like there is no, I mean, if, yeah, of course, if you can get businesses whole again, that would be amazing. And I, I do think some are seeing that because, you know, they're just saying like, look, you know, it's maybe with a barbecue restaurant or something like I stand in line at the barbecue place. I don't get to sit down in the barbecue place, but I still know that they're doing like a start to finish. They're filling their smokers and emptying their smokers at the end of the day and they're done. Yeah. Maybe they're not selling as much beer on site or, you know, soft drinks or something like that. But I I just think figuring out a way that you can help the businesses pivot into like a digital world 
without upfront cost to them. That's huge right there, Seth. Uh, I think that's like such a great key takeaway to end on. And, and I'm going to summarize that almost pulling together, for lack of a better word, a community innovation collaboration project facilitated by the local financial brand to bring together different people from different businesses to solve real problems for a digital first world. Is that a, is that a fair summary of that thinking? Absolutely. And I think a lot of us come from the old school where we didn't, this isn't like anything that we ever thought we'd have to wrap our heads around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of, of and now, wrapping our heads around it's it's it is it's happening so fast continue yeah that yeah we just you know that just it never never in my wildest dreams would i think that you know we're gonna sell restaurants that i love going to with my wife for special occasions now are gonna be selling 100 percent of all the food they sell online is a crazy thing to think about it really is. And, and it's almost like, you know, what happened years ago when like the blue aprons of the world came out that it wasn't take and bake. It was almost like ship and bake, but that's happening almost at a local market level now. So it's strange times for sure. But I, I see a lot of opportunity for those and to really use your words, those that can, can adapt and can pivot and not get stuck in that that old thinking because the world's never going to be the same again. Hey, Seth, thank you so much for the conversation today, man. Always good. Always good hearing from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. If anyone has Thanks any, including me. yeah, if anyone has questions for you, cause you just bring such a unique perspective and they want to connect, they want to say hello. What's the best way for them to do that? Obviously emailing. I think I've provided some of that stuff and then, you know, social media, Instagram, Facebook, I mean, I, I think my perspective is limited, but, you know, I've been in the restaurant business my entire life and, uh, you know, kind of gathering as much information from friends as possible to just try and understand, like, the problems we're going to face and, you know, look into that magic eight ball. Yes, sir. Seth, thanks again for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. All right. Thank you. Until next time, be well, do good and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights that can guide you and your financial brand along your digital growth journey, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of James Robert's upcoming book, Banking on Digital Growth, a strategic marketing manifesto to save financial brands. Inside, you'll find a strategic blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good. 